Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Wisdom, a study through Proverbs. So here's one of the things I, I want you to contemplate, okay? Friendships, connectivity, community is so important. Now, in order for us to get there, and I shared this as an intro earlier in the year, and I want to go back and revisit just the diagram to set the stage of where I'll go today. If you're ever going to reach a place, and I call it stage four, where you surrender and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, three things must happen. Now, if I can reach the place of authentic surrender and submission to the Lordship of Jesus, it opens the door for stage five, which is I'm willing to subject myself to other members of the body of Christ. Now, when you start to look at this diagram here, okay, <laughs> there we go. So when you start to look at this diagram, here's what I want you to think through. The only way we can move into deeper, like real surrender and transformation and experience life change before the Lord is you've got to reach a place where you're disgusted with yourself. If you're not sick of you and sick of being sick and you still got solutions and strategies that you're going to try to make work, you're going to stay stuck. You've got to reach a place where I'm sick of me. I'm disgusted with me. I've got to die. The second thought would be this. I've got to reach a place where with a few close people, I can disclose the deeper issues of my heart. Sin thrives in secrecy. Sin starts to lose its grip when we're able to confess it in a small group with others and say, you know what, here's something I've been holding on to. And I've had people tell me, man, I've, I've held on to that for 40 years. I've held on that for so many years. And, and, and I'm just telling you, when there's hidden stuff, whether it was something you did it was self-inflicted, or whether it was a wound that was inflicted by somebody else. I promise you, if you've got hidden secrets, it's, it's hard to really experience transformation. So if I'm disgusted with self, and I'm willing to disclose the deeper issues of my heart, then third, I've got to be willing <clears throat> to meet God on God's terms. I've got a desire to know God. God, I want to know you. Paul would use that phrase in Philippians 3, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection know the Greek there is the word gnosko and it means to really experience at a heart level not oida just some cognitive concept and here's 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 the problem in the southern culture there's churches all around and many of us have been marinated a bit in culture in, in church culture but Dustin here's one of the things a lot of people have this oida of God oh I know God oida but they haven't repented. They haven't confessed. They haven't been broken, and they've never entered into a gnosko stage where they've experienced the power of the gospel. Now, if those three things happen, and I've dealt with people for 30 plus years as a follower of Jesus, if those three things happen, it swings wide open the door for you to submit to the lordship of Jesus. You can then surrender to Christ because Everything is brought to the light. You've got this hungry heart. You're desperate for God, and I've got to know him. Now, once that happens, only then can you move into subjecting yourself to others in the body of Christ and enter into deep, meaningful community and friendship. 
Now, now a lot of us would say, oh, but, but I had friends years ago. Re really? Where, where are they? Where were they during the rocky times? Where were they during the tough times? We might have had people that used us and abused us, and we used and abused others. But where were those trusted friendships that would walk with me through mountaintop experiences, but would walk with me through the valley? Now, Paul David Tripp, I'm reading one of his books right now. And if you've never read Tripp, Paul David Tripp, I would encourage you to do so. His book, uh, Whiter Than Snow, that he breaks down Psalm 51, is one of the best that I've read, honestly. But I'm reading his book now called A Quest for More. A Quest for More. And Tripp makes this observation. He said, what happened in the garden is the central catastrophe of human history. If you go back some 6,000 years ago, what happened in the Garden of Eden, he said that is the central catastrophe in human history. When Adam and Eve sinned, the entire cosmos fell with them. There is no situation untouched by its power, no location unharmed by its destruction. In a flash of disobedience and stolen glory, sin wrecked the cosmos. It was a total disaster. The harmony between people was broken. Shame, fear, guilt, blame, greed, envy, conflict, and hurt made relationships a minefield they were never intended to be. People looked at each other as obstacles to getting what they wanted, or people looked at each other as dangers to be avoided. Even families were unable to coexist in any kind of lasting and peaceful union. Violence became a common response to problems that had never existed before. Sin disrupted humanity at every level. Sin destroyed relational intimacy with people and relational intimacy with God. It fractured and splintered marriages, friendships, you name it. You and I were both exposed to the same stories as the headlines hit yesterday. Some dude decides to walk into a Walmart in El Paso, Texas, and violence, 20 people dead, 26 other people injured, and you're reading this going, why? Why? You wake up this morning and headlines read, Dayton, Ohio, guys outside of a barb, he kills nine more people. Many others injured. When I read that line, violence became a common response to problems that had never existed before. But here's the truth. We all benefit and value from friendships. Even as splintered and messy as life can be, each and every one of us, we've been hurt, we've been beat up, but we still value from friendships and relationships. And the reason is God built us and wired us to connect with other people. Relationship comes from the root relate, and it means to connect in meaning and in thought. So God places us here to connect with him in meaning and in thought with our God, 
But he also placed us here that we would connect with others. C.S. Lewis said it this way, friendships give value to survival. Yes, it does. A, A strong friendship gives value to surviving in the midst of persecution and ridicule and just having your lunch handed to you at times gives value. Friendships is like that favorite meal of yours. It just brings a little satisfaction to the soul. Here's one of the problems, though. In the last 10 years, there's been so much attention in our nation given toward the deterioration of friendships and relationships because of social media, texting, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. And so many people have created a persona that's inconsistent with their true narrative, and they hide. There's no face-to-face conversation. The lack of depth, the lack of transparency, the lack of soul talk is missing because we've become cute with cliches, and we'll just send somebody a note. And, and we've, we've suffered, I believe, relationally because we've lost heart-to-heart eye-to-eye connectivity. You see, we live in a culture now where if you go back even 20, 30 years ago, way different, but we live in a culture now where people move more than they ever did before. They change jobs more than ever. And because of the hedonistic culture in which we live, there's more avenues for entertainment existing today than ever before. People do their own thing, go their own route, and there's a lack of connectivity. When I was growing up, people would say, where do you live? Well, I live in this neighborhood. But you ask people now, where do you live? And they live in a subdivision. Even the terminology that we use deteriorates the weightiness of friendship and community. So we know that friendships suffer. Listen to me. And this is even more so true with men. There's so many guys that function as a long ranger. There's so many guys that have nobody in close proximity of their life. I don't care how many Bible verses you quote. I don't care what you say you're doing. One of the telltale signs of a healthy man, a healthy godly man, man, is he's got other men in close proximity of his life. Howard Hendricks was the first to introduce me to the concept years ago. But he asked the question, who's your Paul? Who's your Timothy? Who's your Barnabas? We all value and benefit from friendships. Now, Proverbs 17 and 18. Proverbs 17, 17. I would memorize this verse. I think it's so powerful. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for that day of adversity. A friend loves. 
One of the marks of a true friendship is there's an exchange of affection and appreciation. Man, I appreciate you. I love you. I care about you. How are you doing? Friends, check on each other. I'm blessed to have a friend by the name of Ted. Ted and I graduated from high school together back in 1980. And Ted and I were talking this week. And after all these years, we check on each other. He's like, hey, brother, we've walked through the highs and lows of, of life together. Ted, we have. And it's so beautiful to have a friend such as that. Webster's 1828, if you are ever wanting to look up words um, out of Scripture, don't use Merriam-Webster or the Collegiate Webster or whatever those other bootleg translation dictionaries are. Webster's 1828, when that was written, it was written from a biblical pen. You've got to go back. I mean, you'll, you'll look up words in Webster's 1828, and you'll see verses attached to it. But Webster's 1828 defines friend as one who is connected to another by affection and respect. One who desires the companionship of another. One who promotes the well-being of another. And one of the things I've noticed is true friends, they like each other. They like being around each other. They trust each other. They respect each other. They invest time with each other. That, that's, that's a friend. Barb had this friend in high school named Janet. And Janet's husband, Bill, is pastoring a church, a Nazarene church, up outside of Toronto. And Barb and Janet have been friends they, they promote the well-being of each other. They encourage each other. They pray for each other. And I watch Barb when she gets off of a phone call with Janet. She just is so excited because she's talked to her friend. The word friend in verse 17 here in Proverbs is a verb. And it's an action word. So when you see a friend, it's action-oriented. It's a verb. A friend acts. A friend initiates. A friend will willingly do acts of kindness toward the other one. A friend loves. A friend encourages. A friend supports. A friend helps out. A friend. My buddy Richard, who spearheads our anvil ministry here, sent a text to me and some other guys yesterday morning. And I got the text at 530 and I was like, wow, we're at the ER. Brandon, his son, is a diabetic. Brandon has struggled with health issues. And he said, man, he's been throwing up all night. It's been, a, it's been a long night. And he reached out to his friends, Dallas, Butch, myself, a group of others, Dan. And he's like, man, would you guys please be interceding for what's going on right now? I had the opportunity on Thursday. Nick Brown is a great friend of mine. I love Nick. I had the chance to do uh, he and Amanda's wedding. Nick started attending church here about five years ago. Nick was dating Amanda. Amanda was already connected here. And uh, as they started dating, they came to me and asked me to do their wedding, and I did. Now they have two beautiful daughters, gorgeous little girls. But we were talking the other night, and I said, I said what's going on? And he was telling me that Amanda was going to get together with Rachel. He said, when they get together, it's four or five hours, brother. They don't come up for air. I said, I hear you. I mean, Rachel's got a couple of kids, and there's things going on, and she's got a busy schedule. And he's like, man, but she's so connected with Tara and with Felicia. And, and she, he just starts, 
Man, I love it. And Pinnock has become my boy. We're going to see a Braves game together. I said, come on. Uh, no, me and Tim, are, he's become a sidekick. And Joe and our small group and just the people in that group. And, and, and I promise you, my buddy Nick, when he first came in, he was kind of checking everything out. He'd been affiliated with church in his younger years, but he had drifted and he was paying attention, but he was checking it out. And he was almost aloof initially, and now he's a raving fan. He's connected, and he's built these friendships that have become family. And he was telling me that, and I was like, yes, he's winning. He's sort. You've got to stop and ask the question, who are my friends? Who am I a friend to? And the only way to have a good friend is to be a good friend. Healthy relationships and healthy friendships and healthy marriages, let me give you a clue. It's not a give and take relationship. It's a give and give relationship. If it ever gets to the place where you feel like it's give and take, you're going to have a scorecard, which love doesn't keep score. You see, for a healthy relationship and a healthy friendship and for a healthy marriage to flourish, it's a give and give. We just give with no strings attached. We're, we're, we don't have an agenda. We love. We serve. We risk. We get messy with each other. And that's where they flourish. You see, a friend loves and you've heard me use a working definition of love and love is always doing that which is most redemptive for the other person love is other oriented first john chapter 3 he says this let us not only love with words or speech but love with actions and truth and you talk a good game but you don't walk that way. And Dustin, the reason we flourished for 18, 19 years in friendship, it's not just a talk it, it's a walk it, it's a do life together. It's what do you need? How can we build each other up? Gary Chapman in his book, The Five Love Languages, he talks about words, meaningful words that we can speak to people, words of affirmation. Some people, that's their love language, and here's what I want you to know. True friends know each other's love languages. In a healthy marriage, you know each other's love languages. Meaningful words, strong words of affirmation, apples of gold on settings of silver is a kind word spoken in the right circumstance. Yeah, they, they, they know that. Quality time. I remember before I got married, I was listening to Focus on the Family driving down the road years ago on a Christian radio station through the cornfields of Indiana. And I remember James Dobson said, do you know how kids spell love? T-I-M-E. And I've had people say, well, is it quality time or quantity time? And I say, yes. Time. How about gifts? We showered my son Benji and Grace yesterday. They're about 
two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever away from having their first child. And all these gifts, and those people that brought those gifts in there were saying, we love y'all, we're behind y'all, we're going to support y'all. I mean, acts of service, Barb, my wife has a PhD in acts of service. I promise you, she does. And I know one of the great ways of loving her is sweeping the floor, vacuuming the floor with no streams attached. Did y'all hear me? Another great way of loving is through meaningful touch. And I'm a toucher. I like to hug, but the high fives and bumping it up. What's up? How are you doing? And there's a lot of ways of meaningful touch, Kenneth. But when we get there, friends love. And they know each other's love languages. And they care about each other. Here, here's a crucial piece of it, though. A friend loves at all times not not just when it's easy not when it's just beneficial for you a, a friend loves at all times good times bad times tragedy trials all kinds of hell breaking loose and trouble when we get tired and exhausted and fatigued True friends like, hey, I'll walk with you. There, there's a lot of people that, that they'll walk out. But a true friend says, I'm not writing that off. I love this person. We all need help. We've all jacked it up. We've all blown it. We've all been kicked and knocked down and beat up at times. That's part of living in this wrecked cosmos he ain't heavy he's my brother and here's what i've come to realize a true friend steps in when the rest of the world walks out i was dealing with a guy in my first year here nine years ago and he was a former nfl player and he had royally jacked it up. He had spent three months in a sex, alcohol, and drug clinic. He's a big old football guy. And I'll never forget after the three months in this sex, alcohol, and drug place he was in, he was released, and he's like, I got to do something with my time. His wife was like, I, I, I don't even know if this is going to work. As much junk as you have in your portfolio. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. Cool. He would vacuum the floor here. He would organize. This dude had enough money where he could do whatever he wanted to do, but he was broken. He had become acquainted with brokenness in his own life. He had reached the place of disgust, disclosure, desperation for God. He, he had surrendered. And we're about 180 days into this thing. We were sitting in my office, and tears were dripping down this big dude's face. He goes, it's been six months. And I said, no, it's been one day at a time for 180 days, and he's like, you're right. I said, why are you crying? He said, because even when I was living like a piece of crap, you didn't cut me loose, and you were willing to walk with me, and so many other people don't even want to talk to me right now. But I said, listen, listen, listen. 
Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. It's hard. But am I willing to risk it? Am I willing to enter into somebody else's mess? A true friend don't tell you what you want to hear. They tell you what you need to hear. I like what Proverbs 27, 6 says. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. It goes on to say that the kisses of an enemy, what, what, what is that? A person that loves you enough to walk with you and struggle with you and do life with you. Man, we've all got blind spots. And one of the great gifts in life is having a friend. Hey, you're jacked up here. But a friend loves. And one of the great gifts, if you will again, Tim, is that a friend will look at you even in the midst of your failure and say, you're not defined by that. The greatest truth about you and the truest thing about you is not that you sin. The truest thing about you is that you're loved by God. Even in the midst of struggling and even in the midst of rebelling and even in the midst of staying in the sewage of certain things, the truest thing about you even at that moment is that God loves you and desires to redeem you and rescue you. The truest thing is that the Savior was the greatest friend. And he laid down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. That's what he says in John 15. A friend loves at all times. Matthew 11 they looked at Jesus and they said, he's a friend of sinners. Really? The harlots, the tax collectors, the thugs, and they said, oh, he, 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 he likes and he loves and he cares about sinners. What a friend. When did you get cut in? When I was a sinner. While I was still dead in my sin, Christ died for me. Luke chapter 15, we read about the lost son and the lost coin and the lost sheep in that whole narrative there. But if you read Luke 15, 1, it says this. The Pharisees and the other religious people were ticked off at Jesus because he was hanging out with despicable people and notorious sinners. And Jesus said, why did they get mad? Because he was hanging out with people that were lost, people that needed redemption and hope. He was bringing friendship to Skid Row. He was. And we've got to have a heart for the least of these. There's so much pain and so much poison and so much tension around us. 
And so many people that attend church are afraid of getting dirty. But Jesus came to redeem the filth of the world once and for all. What a friend we have in Jesus. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. To say it another way, a friend loves, but a friend becomes a brother when they walk through adversity with you. A friend loves, but that friend becomes a sister when she walks through the valley of the shadow of death with you, when she starts to live out Galatians 6 with you. Carry each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Who's your friends? Who are you connected to? Who knows your story? Who have you disclosed your stuff to? Who's walking with you? Who's limping with you? Who's carrying you at times? Who you help carry at times? That's the reason looking back at you, he stayed with us for a week. Stay with us, Dylan. Come on. You're trying to figure some things out. Gets out of school on Friday, bam. Take care of him. He's starving. He's longing for community. He's longing for growth. God don't love me because I'm good. I'm good because God loves me. And once you start to experience the peace of Christ because of the friendship that you have with Jesus, the love that he will give you, and the motivation he'll give you to extend yourself outside of yourself is amazing. Luke, one of the dudes in our church, he's stationed out in Everett, Washington right now, and he was at a coffee shop. We FaceTime talked for a bit yesterday. He's been talking with Nick and talking with Rick and others, and he's growing. It's amazing to see what God's doing in his life, but out there where he's at, those big redwood trees, I don't know if you've been to the West Coast. I've been from SoCal up the entire coast all the way into Vancouver and Whistler, and man, those redwood trees are fascinating. Those trees can grow. Look at my brother from California. Those trees will grow to about 300 feet tall, Kenneth. You know it. But their root system only goes down about 10 or 12 feet. But that root system goes out about 100 feet. And how those things are able to grow so strong and be sustained is through networking and connectivity. And when the storms come and the winds howl, 12 feet of root system to sustain, no. They're connected with hundreds of other trees. How will you flourish? How will you grow? How will you become all that you can be for the glory of God? By networking and connecting with other godly people. There's strength in numbers. A strand of three, he says in Ecclesiastes, you can't break it. So when we get together in community and we're willing to drop the mask and take off the fig leaf and quit hiding and do life with other people, we can flourish. 
when you're willing to get involved in an intentional growth group where you say, I want to be discipled. I'm starving for connectivity and small group. And we've heard stories even over the last few weeks of people said, that small group, man, it brought about connectivity and community, and it led me to deeper worship. If you refuse to do it, you're missing out. You're going to be known, but nobody's going to dog you. This culture here at the Cross Loganville, if you're visiting or you're new here, this is a culture of restoration. This is not a culture of elimination. We're not looking to write you off. We're looking to walk with you and connect you to walk really with the Lord and to walk with others. It takes energy. It takes risk. It requires effort. It's worth it. I remember my early growth, those small groups with other guys that were willing to get honest before the Lord. My buddy Jeff and I were interacting yesterday. I met him in 1986. He was playing with the Blue Jays. I was with the Astros, and we met each other, and he was newly surrendered to Christ, and so was I. And he's like, dude, I'm new, man, but I really want to honor Jesus. I was out hell raising, drinking like a fish last year. I said, so was I. But he turned me on to Terry Clark and Maranatha Worship. I'd never heard that. And I turned him on to some stuff that I was reading, and we grew. Hey, man, what, what's God doing with you? He's doing this. Then let's grow together. Proverbs 18, 24 says, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that friend is Jesus, our Lord, our Messiah. When we surrender to the Lordship of Christ, Done. I'm out of solutions, strategies, agendas. My methods don't work. When I'm willing to repent, meaning I unplug from any other thing to give me identity. I love Rick's definition last week when he said humility is dependence on Jesus. Pride is dependence on anything else. When we're willing to unplug from all these other less wild lovers and plug into Jesus Messiah, the greatest friend and lover of all time, and say, you call the shots. And then we're willing to connect with other people. Chad, we start to flourish. And so my encouragement to you today, I don't know what you're going through. I don't, I don't know exactly what your day and week has looked like. But some of you in this room are starving. First and foremost, to be connected with God. You're like, I've never surrendered. Barb and I met with a couple the other night. I thought it was over after two and a half hours, and it ended up going a little longer than I wanted it to. But this dude is sobbing his eyes out as he repents. Man, I prayed a prayer when I was 13. My grandmother had passed away, and I wanted to make sure I'd see her in heaven, so I prayed then. I'm like, prayed for what? Did you repent? Did you really pray to surrender to Christ? And he just tears and snot, and he's like, never have. I said, you're afraid you're going to bust hell wide open, aren't you? And he goes, I am. When are you going to surrender? He was here Wednesday night. He was here again today. I'm like, let God do his work. Surrender to Jesus. Quit, quit masking it, please. Mama Kay, you know as well as I do. Once you totally surrender and you allow the Lord to establish his, his spirit and heart inside of you, it changes everything. And then get connected with other people. There's tables here, tables in the ca cafe. There's so many opportunities to sign up to get connected. Jen, we know, Felicia, you girls know, Rachel, 
Sarah, y'all know the importance of doing life together. You support each other. You love each other. You pray for each other. You're interceding for each other. You're walking with each other. You're confessing pain struggles to each other. You did life together. That's why y'all are so strong right now. You're like the redwoods of the Pacific Coast. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website we have old messages and archived series so you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.